just embrace it and nurture it and be a part of it. Um, Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's challenging, but we are now called brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, So if that's the reality, then it is important for us to look at these phrases and figure out what Jesus intended his family to look like. Um, One of the many books we've been reading, some of us as we prep for the series, is called Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, It's a classic pretty well-read little book, Um, but the first line of the whole thing is a quote out of Psalm 133, and it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And sometimes I think that is absolutely true. I think about that and just get a little flicker of joy because I have so many people here that I know and love, and I'm so happy that you guys all love Jesus with me, and we get to be in this together um, other times, it's, it's not so true. Um, it's not as pleasant. We get those moments where it's easy to say, you know, I love you, but I just don't like you very much right now. Um, so sometimes being together and living in unity is hard, um, which is why Jesus made a point to give us phrases like bear with one another and forgive one another and those that we've been going over in the past couple weeks. We need perseverance and forgiveness in order to survive each other's messes and mistakes. Because we do make a lot of those. Um, And that's part of being a family. You know, you're stuck with them, so you get to get used to all their little quirks. Um, But in the midst of that, we get to do something else. Uh, We get to encourage one another. That's the highlight of this week. Um, So yes, Jesus is asking us to put up with one another Um, And sometimes let go of a lot of the things that we may be holding on to. But we still get to do it all together. We're walking with one another in this process. We're encouraging each other through the good and the bad. Um, And the early church definitely had it bad. Uh, Much worse than I would say we do now. Um, They were scattered in pockets, meeting in house churches, sort of fearing for their life. Because the Roman officials were seeking them out to persecute them and kill them. And so they needed all the encouragement they could get. Um, And so in the book of Hebrews, which is where our text comes from, the author is addressing that. Um, Because the book focuses on the spiritual life and health of the believers and perseverance in the face of persecution. Um, Because they needed reminding that Jesus had their backs. Like they need to know that the danger that they faced was all worth it. So in the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, if you guys want to turn there with me, we can read that together. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, um, the author writes this. He said, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together 
as some of us are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, now, I read this text, and I, I, I realize that it can seem a little thick, um, and I don't always use the message translation, but in this case, I think Eugene Peterson has a really good paraphrase of this text. It's going to be up on the screen, and I'll go ahead and read that as well. He says, So, friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God, into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging, love, and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together, as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. And I I love this text. I think it's beautiful. Um, And not just because it talks about encouraging one another, but actually because it doesn't start with that. Um, It starts with Jesus. It starts with his mediation between us and God. It gives us a reason to encourage each other. And the author makes it very clear that we're not just in this for ourselves, and we don't just encourage each other because it's the right thing to do. We're in this because Jesus has created this whole new reality, this new and living way, as he calls it, through his body and his blood. And this way is so much bigger and freer and more glorious than anything that we could create for ourselves. I think that's why we need encouragement. Because I don't know about you, but I often get stuck trying to build up my own reality and forget that God has created something better if I would just let go and let him take the reins. Because all the work that we can do here, it just doesn't even compare to the work that he's already done. So what does that encouragement look like? I think it's probably impossible to identify all the ways, which is probably why the message says we need to get inventive with the ways that we encourage each other. Everyone needs something different. Um, But I do want to share a few examples just of the encouragement that I've received in the past um, that might help us encourage one another here. Um, So at Whitworth, where I went to get my undergrad degree, um, the school year is broken into two semesters with this in-between period called Jan term um, over the month of January. So you basically take one class for three hours, five days a week for the whole month, um, or you go on a trip, whichever you prefer. Um, But for my senior year Jan term, I decided to take this class called the Missional Church, and it was a great class, and I was so excited because my pastor at the church I was going to was actually coming in to teach it, and I read two of the books, like had them done before the class even started. Um, I was kind of nerding up about this a little bit. Uh, But then about a weekend, I got really sick. (laughs) Um, And I went to the urgent care. My roommate took me. And I got the first x-ray I had ever had, uh, which probably would have been really cool, except they showed me the picture, and there's this big black spot in the middle of my chest. And they told me that I had pneumonia. Um, So that wasn't as fun. Uh, But while my roommate drove me home, I called my dad. Um, And if you were around at all last summer when I spoke, you probably know my dad and I are close. Um, And I like to let him know what's going on because 
I know he's always like praying for me and he's always keeping in, in touch. So I told him about the pneumonia and coughing so hard. I thought my ribs were going to break and, and not being able to go to class. And, and he just says, you know, just get everything ready that you're going to need for the next couple days. I'm going to come get you. And then he left work early that day. He drove all the way from Moses Lake to Spokane, which is about a two-hour drive. Um, and he took me home. And I spent the next five days on my parents' couch. Um, but he took extra days off of work just to stay home with me and make me food and make sure I had plenty of water and make sure I took my medicine on time and kept me comfortable. And And here's the thing, like, I'm an adult, sort of. I was sort of an adult in college. But he could have just said, you know, I'm really sorry, honey. Like, make sure you get lots of rest. I'll be praying for you. You know, and he could have left it at that. But but he knew that I needed somebody. He knew that when I'm sick, I don't like to be alone. And so he came. Bonhoeffer said, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength for the believer. And I realize that my being sick is not a spiritual crisis. Um, but even so, the presence of another person who knows you and who cares about you, and who cares about what you're going through, like that can make all the difference. And that's why, just before Hebrews tells us to encourage one another, it says, let's not give up meeting together. Because being together is important. I mean, we may start taking this place for granted, but we need each other at a deeper level than just showing up on a Sunday morning. I mean, the early church knew this because each other was all they had. And I think it's easy for us to forget how much we need each other. And I think it's similar to what Jared said two weeks ago about bearing with one another. You know, sometimes that just means showing up and making yourself available to another person. I know when someone takes time out of their day to spend with me, that communicates, you know, you're important, and you have value, and you are worth my time, and you're worth my attention. And I think it's easy for us to forget that if we don't have people to speak that into our lives just by being there. Another experience of encouragement I've had lately came from our trip to Wind River, Wyoming, in June. Um, Jared and I took seven junior high students to a youth works mission trip on the Na- or Native American reservation there. Um, and there were four other church groups, so there was about 40 kids total. Um, and one of the things they did at the beginning of the week was they got all the kids together and they had them decorate these brown paper bags. And each of the kids decorated one for themselves, and they also decorated one for the leaders. This one was mine. And what they did with these, their sole purpose was encouragement. We had this wall as you walked into the building, and they hung all of these up with clothespins just right next to each other. And then there was a table that had little squares of paper um, and some pens just so you could stop whenever you felt like it and just write a note of encouragement to somebody else. Um, So I thought I'd share a couple of mine. Um, One of them I keep in my Bible because it's from my youngest sister-in-law, and she wrote it, and it's very sweet. It says, Dear Bree." You are such a kind, amazing human being. I love you so much. Um, But I had a couple others to share. Let me grab my measure. 
another one of our students said, thank you for being an amazing friend and leader. Thanks, Bree. Love you. You are a fun leader, and you are nice and very pretty. <laughs> and then one girl from another, um, another youth group who was part of my crew for the week, she wrote, you are fabulous. Keep it real, home slice. You can be the tomato to my ketchup. like that one. <laughs> um, and on the last night there, we actually did um, a foot washing ceremony. We, like us leaders, we got to wash the feet of the kids and pray with them. And it was a little bit emotional. And some of the girls and I got really, really teary. And so one of the girls wrote, Bree, you're going to have to learn to not make people cry. <laughs> um, and then I also got a note from one of the leaders that was really sweet. It says, God has big plans for you. Keep loving him. Keep worshiping. Keep loving young people. Keep being you. You're a pretty neat person that I have a lot of respect for in a very short time. Never lose sight of who God made you. And even though some of them were, you know, obviously silly, that for me was just like so wonderful. Because um, it's easy to feel like in youth ministry, or like you're giving a lot of yourself. Um, <laughs> and you have senior high kids who are just ready to suck every ounce of energy from you all the time. <laughs> ours, aren't, ours aren't quite so bad. But still, we put in a lot of effort because we love it and we love them. Um, but getting to read those was just so encouraging. And as you can see, I didn't throw mine away. I'm going to stash them away for a rainy day. Um, they affirm me and they remind me why I do what I do. And they remind me that God is big and present in my life and in the lives of my teenagers. Um, and I got to do the same thing for them. And it, it built up our community there in such a small but very significant way. In First Thessalonians, Paul writes, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So if you see that someone is gifted in ministry or in service or music or hospitality or whatever it may be, affirm them in that. Encourage them to use their gifts. If you see that someone is struggling, remind them that they are the beloved of Jesus and they're created exactly like they're supposed to be. And if someone's working through a difficult relationship, spur them on toward love and good deeds. That's what Christian relationship looks like. We are literally the working hands and feet of Jesus. So I truly believe that we have an obligation to give others the same kind of encouragement that he would give them if he were there. Um, there's a man named John Gottman who writes a relationship blog. Um, and research from his institute uh, sort of showed that they came up with this five-to-one ratio. And, and basically what it means is, he says, every honest relationship has both positive and negative feedback. But to maintain a healthy balance, a person has to hear five positive things for every one negative thing. And that seems like a crazy, like, thing that it takes so much weight to balance out, like, one negative comment. But if you think about it, like, I think the, the bad things that people say about you stick with you a lot longer than the good things people say about you. 
I know that it's so much easier for me to dwell on those things, and I remember exactly when the remarks were made that make me feel self-conscious. So I guess in that light, it does make sense. But ask yourself, are the people around you hearing enough of the good things? Could you be the person in someone else's life to give them that positive encouragement? Maybe you think it and you know it here, but maybe they're not hearing it in the ways that you think they would assume that they're loved. Sometimes I think we hold back because we don't want to come off as awkward if we don't know someone very well, or we don't want to butt into things that we think might not be any of our business. But more often than not, I think positive encouragement is going to be really, really well received. Um, And I know some of the things that have been most encouraging to me have come from people that I hardly know. But just the fact that, like, they're willing to take that step and tell me those things, that's encouraging and that's meaningful. Um, And as Christians, I think we should be the type of people that other people walk away from feeling very built up. Um, Just as a last example, Jamie and I were talking this last week about this text and this concept of encouraging one another. Um, and we were both reminded of what it's like when you're running a half marathon. Um, so I've finished four half marathons so far, um, incredibly. Um, and it's amazing what you feel like when you're at mile 12 out of 13, and you're tired, and you're sweaty, and your legs are cramping, and you wish you had more water, and you're dying to be done. And somehow I always think that I'm in better shape than I actually am. And, and then suddenly you start seeing people along the sidelines, and they're already wearing their finisher medal, and, and they start cheering for you. And then there's, like, you start hearing them yelling, you're almost there. There is less than a mile left. Like, you can make it. And you hear that in real life, like, yes, I can do this. Like, there's less than a mile left. I can finish strong. My family is running right next to me, and and we're just all going to finish this together, and it's going to be awesome, and I'm going to eat so many cookies after that. But I think that's what we need to do for each other. Like, that's that's the last of the ways that I want to encourage you today to encourage one another. Be present with each other. Remind each other who you are and who God says you are and who he says he is. But almost most importantly, remind each other of the promises of Jesus. Um, Remind the people around you that our race has already been won and victory has already happened and we are on our way and we are almost there. Um, in In Hebrews 12, a couple chapters later, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. 
whoever believes in me shall not have or shall not perish but have eternal life. These are things I think we need to hear on an everyday basis. Things we need to remind ourselves, things we need to remind each other. Because his reality is bigger and better. And if we try to live our lives on our own, we will always be struggling to create something meaningful when in fact something meaningful has already been created for us. We just have to encourage each other to keep running the race. And right after it says encourage each other, the text says, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Um, And this day is uh, the day of the Lord, as it's referred to in other parts of scripture, um, or what most of us would call the second coming of Christ. Um, And it's not something we really talk a lot about anymore. But it's also, I think, not something we should forget about. And the early church held on to it firmly. Like, it gave them courage to follow Jesus because they knew that Jesus was coming back. He was coming back for them. And whatever may happen to them was not the end. They needed to remember that promise especially. And maybe we do too. I think the problem isn't knowing what to do. A lot of times we know what Jesus wants us to do how he wants us to do it, who he wants us to do it with. The problem is actually doing it, living that life, responding to that call. Um, Paul Tournier, who's a psychologist, said, there are two things we cannot do alone. One is to be married, and the other is to be a Christian. And it's true. Like, no one gets to be a Christian by themselves. And honestly, everyone struggles, and everyone needs lifting up. So just meet them where they are and encourage them with what you know. Because if we truly believe that Jesus loves us and is coming back and that what he says is true, then people need to hear that. And that's the kind of church that we should be. That kind of family. Thank you so much for this morning and this time that we've chosen to come be together, to come worship you together, to come love and encourage each other by showing up. I ask that that you would give us courage to be a one another kind of church to live into that family, to really develop that community, to invest in something bigger than our own tiny realities. Please give us that courage to speak your truth into each other's lives, to believe it for ourselves, to look at one another in love, and just realize that you are the best news that anyone could hear. That even when we feel like we have it all together, we all need encouragement. Um, And that you are there for every single one of us. So I ask that we would just lean on you. um, That you would lift us up and breathe life into us. Um, And just ask your blessing on on everyone here. On all these people that you love. um, And on the rest of our day.